Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Sometimes called the Norwegian pancake, this thin bread can be compared to a tortilla or a crepe. It was originally made from flour, but now it's almost exclusively made from potatoes. Traditionally, they are stored in small wooden boxes or just between layers of cloth. We're discovering the history and origins of this Viking foodstuff. Lefse. I'm your host, Glenn Warren, and welcome to another serving of Seasons Eatings, the podcast which explores the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. This is our third season, so thank you to all the listeners and subscribers to the podcast. As ever, Seasons Eatings can be found wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Seasons Eatings is also found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So if you love the show, then I humbly ask you to share this podcast with someone you think would love to hear more about the history of Christmas and the foods which shape the holiday we love so much. If you want to give me suggestions for future episodes or just to chat, email me at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com. All the links for the show can be found at seasonseatingspodcast.com. I've talked about the holidays in Norway in my episode about Riesengroth, the Norwegian rice pudding that is served on Christmas Eve to keep the elves called the Nisa in good spirits. But for many Norwegian-American families, the biggest Christmas treat isn't foil-wrapped chocolate or sugar-dusted cookies. It's lefse, a simple flatbread. Eagerly anticipated as the starring treat at Christmas dinner, often served with lurfisk, and more usually wrapped up in a little tube with butter and sugar, Lefse is successfully making its way through successive generations to join its place as the most beloved aspect of Norwegian inheritance. Lefse is so ingrained in the Norwegian way of life, there are songs telling of all the amazing things to do with the Christmas treat, such things like tiling the floor or repairing a hole in your boat. All jokes aside, the major connector to Norwegian roots among generation after generation of American immigrants' offspring, Lefse holds a position almost akin to holy bread for millions. And for many, it's the only link to their heritage, often enticing those who crave it to Sons of Norway lodges and Scandinavian festivals, and more recently to searches on the internet. Grandmothers are fondly remembered who would make dozens of lefse and mail packages of it around the U.S. to their grandchildren around Christmas time. 
it's still a major link to the new generations, as Lefse is introduced to Norwegian-American children, often in infancy. Lefse are sort of like soft tortillas made mostly out of mashed potatoes, with a little fat and flour mixed in to form a tender dough. They're usually spread with butter and sugar, or rolled up with a bit of lingonberry jam. And families that make them, make them by the dozens. It's probably one of the first foods I fell in love with, says Megan Walhood, who lives in Portland, Oregon, and has family roots in Norway. The rest of the year, I would just think about when we are going to make lefse again. Walhood loved the unique toasty potato flavor, and she says there's something so comforting about soft, starchy things. Many of the surrounding families in their rural part of North Dakota had similar roots, and it showed in the lefse. Weddings and funerals and christenings, anything that smacked of a lot of Norwegians there, yeah, there'd be stacks of it, Walhood remembers. As much as one thinks of Lefse as being part and parcel of Norwegian culture and history, it's in fact a relatively new arrival on the menu. It was definitely not Viking fare, although a variety of wheat-based flatbreads were. Flatbread loaves baked over hot stones or over an open fire have been found in Viking graves. Potatoes didn't arrive in Norway until about 1750. According to Christy Lotha Jakobsen, senior academic librarian of the University of Bergen, who curated an exhibition about the potatoes' history in Norway in 2008, during the United Nations International Year of the Potato. The potato originated in the Andes Mountains in Latin America. The natives had been growing potatoes for 10,000 years when the first Europeans arrived. Potatoes were brought to Norway by priests who grew them on their parsonages, and hence were called potato priests because they spread the message of the crop from their pulpits. This was a welcome and needed addition to the Norwegian diet because there was rampant scurvy and vitamin C deficiency. In Norway at the time, the potato is a sure cure for all of this. Furthermore, the potato was easily cultivated in the Norwegian climate and soil. But at first, it was met with resistance. The potato finally became appreciated during the Napoleonic Wars in the early 19th century. And in the face of near starvation from British blockades of the seas around Norway, which led to reduced grain imports and a severe famine. The people learned they could grow potatoes and the Norwegian love affair with the potato was born, according to Jakobsen. Norway was suffering from the famine about the same time many Norwegians started emigrating to the U.S. Now, round flatbreads have been made since Viking days in Norway, and for centuries the flatbread was more like a cracker. It would last through the winter, being stored in wooden boxes or stacked on shelves. And when you wanted one, you'd dip it in water and soak it between damp cloths until it was soft again. Not too long ago, all flat break goods were made in the Elhuset, a separate house for preparing food. These include smabrod and flatbrod, which require no refrigeration. When Norwegians made lefse over 200 years ago, they made enough for an entire year. To make so much they needed the whole family to help, it took two days 
to make enough lefsa for a year. Families made the dough on the first day by boiling and mashing potatoes with a little flour and cream, and then they had to cool the dough overnight. On the second day, they rolled the dough and cooked it. Making lefsa requires three specific tools, a special rolling pin, a lefsa stone, and a lefsa stick. Once the dough was cool, families used a special rolling pin to roll the dough very flat. This rolling pin was special because it has tiny grooves on it. The lefsa is ready to cook when it was so thin a newspaper could be read through it. The next tool used was the lefsa stone. The stone was heated in a wood-burning stove. The stone would be removed from the fire once it was hot. The families put the dough on the hot stone to cook. This step was tricky and took practice. There were no knobs to set the temperature on the stove, and the stone would had to be hot enough to cook, but it couldn't be too hot or it would burn the dough. Lefsa makers learned over many years how to tell if the stone was hot enough. Makers of lefsa now use an electric lefsa griddle to cook the dough instead of the stone. Do you think cooking the lefsa is easier on a griddle? The last tool was the lefsa stick. This stick was a thin wood spatula. Like a pancake, when the dough had brown marks on it, it needed to be flipped over to cook on the other side. To do that, people used the lefsa stick. And when the lefsa was done cooking, it was placed on a clean towel. Remember, in the past, people made enough lefsa to last the whole year. Since they couldn't eat it all at once, they needed to store the extra lefsa somewhere. And this was before refrigerators and freezers, so how do you think they saved the lefsa from getting moldy? To keep the lefsa from spoiling, the extra was stored either in wooden boxes or covered with cloth and stacked. This process dried out the lefsa so it wouldn't mold. When family members wanted to eat lefsa after it dried out, they just put it between two damp cloths until the lefsa was soft. During the holiday season, many people go beyond the butter and sugar combination for their lefse. Silta is a typical Christmas food in Norway and something you find in every supermarket during the months of November and December. Silta is known as head cheese in English, but despite its name, it's not a dairy product. It's a cold-cut terrine or meat jelly, traditionally made from the flesh of the head of a pig and set in aspic. Different producers add different kinds of spices, such as clove, allspice, salt, and pepper. You simply take a lefse, smear a little grainy mustard on it, and add a few slices of silta, and then roll. Another classic lefse Christmas combo in Norway is to put madiskerkaker, or pork patties, or julepolsa, or Christmas sausages, on the lefse. These two are also typical Christmas foods in Norway, especially because they are part of the traditional ribertalikan, or pork rib Christmas plate. They are made of pork and has a rather salty flavor that goes well with the lefse and the mustard. Same as with the shilta, you put some mustard on the lefse and then add the meat on top before rolling it up. While the U.S. Midwest generally always makes its lefse with potatoes, this was not necessarily the case in Norway. When one uses the term lefse in the United States, it typically refers to what Norwegians call potato lefse. Norwegians, however, also make hardanger lefse, 
with egg yolks and buttermilk. The dough is rolled with a conventional rolling pin and much more flour until it is thin and doesn't stick to the surface. Then it's cut with a grooved rolling pin in perpendicular directions, cutting a grid into the dough which prevents it from creating air pockets as it cooks. The grid cut can also aid in thinner rolling of the lefse, as the ridges help preserve structural integrity. The lefse is cooked at a high temperature until browned and then left to dry. It can also be freeze-dried by repeatedly freezing and thawing. Dried Hardangelevska can be stored without refrigeration for six months or more, so long as it's kept dry. It's customarily thought that the bread, along with lutefisk, was a staple on the seagoing voyages as far back as Viking times. As mentioned before, to hydrate the dry lefska, we dip it in water or between two wet cloths. Many people maintain that dipping in salted or sea water enhances the flavor. The dry lefse retains its bread-like texture in about 60 minutes. Often that time is used to prepare such ingredients as eggs or herring, which are wrapped in the lefse once it is softened. The tradition of making lefse was brought over by Norwegian Americans, and potato lefse itself was made when their potato crop was successful. Due to this, it became more prevalent than other types in the United States. When lefse was able to be made, it was stored in small storage buildings called a brighaus. When Norwegian immigrants first arrived in America, they didn't have the usual foods they were used to back home, including milk and porridge, dried meat and lefse. But early Norwegian American immigrants brought folded lefse to eat for the beginning stages of their journey via ship. After these were eaten, the lack of food they were used to is likely why they turned back to tradition so quickly. During World War I, Americans were encouraged to eat potatoes to be patriotic, as wheat was needed to feed the troops on the front lines. Lefse, a staple for Norwegian Americans, was eaten with gusto during this time. We'll find out how the lefse is made after the break. like about Christmas? The music, the movies, the traditions, the food, the history, all of the above? Then the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is for you. Tune in every month to hear a marginally successful stand-up comedian dig into topics like Charlie Brown Christmas, Bing Crosby, Scrooge, A Christmas Carol, Jingle Bells, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, The Christmas Truce of World War I, Die Hard, Bethlehem, Gift of the Magi, Haunted Mansion Hollywood, Andy Williams, Christmas Lights, Nativity Scenes, Nat King Cole, Before Christmas, Toys R Us, Silent Night, Hell the Grinch, Old Christmas, Miracle on Christmas Tree, Twelve Days of Christmas, Old Christmas Tree, She's going to take way too long to cover all the stuff we've talked about. Just join us at Can't Wait for Christmas Pod on the 25th of every month for the Can't Wait for Christmas Podcast, where our motto is, keep laughing all the way. Don't you wish the holidays would last the entire year? Well, now it can. Head on over to MyMerryChristmas.com where you can enjoy the holidays all year long. You can chat with other Christmas enthusiasts on any topic you can think of. Movies, books, cooking, decorating, anything. If it's about Christmas, it's here. Joining My Merry Christmas is completely free. 
But if you become a Premier member, you can enjoy extra bonuses such as a yearly Christmas card exchange and Kringle Radio, Santa's exclusive Christmas radio station. For only $19.95, you can become a Premier member of MyMerryChristmas.com for a full year. So head on over to MyMerryChristmas.com and start enjoying Christmas all year long. These days, Lefsa in America is pretty much reserved for Christmas, and in some families, Thanksgiving. But for the Walhoods, Lefsa making is a true family project. Peggy Walhood, Megan's mother, has Swedish roots, but learned from her mother-in-law the art of wrapping up the still warm Lefsa in towels to keep them soft and pliable. As with many simple foods, much of it comes down to technique. The key to Lefsa, the Walhoods explains, is to keep things tender. That means chilling the mashed potatoes so you only need a minimum of flour to form a dough and rolling them nice and thin with a special grooved rolling pin. You want to roll it thin enough and then also very even, Megan Walhood explains. You don't want to have a fat edge and a skinny edge, which are not the ideal. They are not approved by the Lefsa Commission. She and her dad left. There's even an art to shimmying the long flat stick, called the lefsa stick, beneath the dough to transfer it to the griddle. Then you brush off the extra flour to keep it from either burning on the griddle or being absorbed and toughening the flatbread. It's a step that yields a nice finished product, but also a fair amount of floury mess. Dale Walhood jokes that cleanup was about a six hour vacuum job. To make the Walhoods lefsa, you'll need about 10 pounds of russet potatoes which are steamed, a pound of butter, 3 tablespoons of sugar, 3 teaspoons of salt, and about 2 cups of flour. So when the potatoes are tender, you rice them into a large glass bowl, adding butter as you go. Use a glass bowl because plastic bowls sweat and make the potatoes too wet. Then you add your sugar and your salt. So put your gloves on and mix this very well. Pat the potatoes down in the bowl, cover with a paper towel, and leave on the kitchen sink overnight. Do not refrigerate. The next morning, mix together four cups of potatoes with the flour. Then you make in about four ounce balls by weight and then start rolling. If you don't have one of the fancy store-bought Lefsa wooden rolling board, you can use a piece of plywood covered with a piece of sail canvas. Use a well-floured, square-slotted wooden rolling pin covered with a rolling sock. Roll as large as a pizza and as thin as a crepe. The thinner the lefsa is, the better. Cook on a lefsa griddle or an electric pizza maker. If bubbles emerge, pat them down. So cook the both sides, and when done, stack the lefsa between two to four terry cloth towels until all are cool. You can cut it in fours, or just fold two or three lefsa in a gallon-sized baggie. You can use freezer baggies if you know they'll be frozen for a while. And never package your lefsas warm. They will get moldy and be ruined. So, there are many tricks to making lefsa. The best way is to watch someone who has done it for years and then go from there. Once the lefsa are finished, all warm and toasty and inviting, 
they're spread with butter and sugar and devoured. <laughs> That's the reason for the holidays. Holiday traditions have a purpose far bigger than just because mom or grandma did it. This is why we bake cookies with grandkids, why you deal with flour everywhere in your house and do four loads of dishes. They are to connect us to our past, our present, and our future, to spark the light we all have inside. Thank you for listening to this serving of Seasons Eatings. Seasons Eatings is available on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Deezer, Google, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please, if you can leave a review about the show so we can spread the Christmas cheer. And if you let me know you've left a review, I'll send you a Seasons Eatings sticker as a personal thank you. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com. And let me know how you like the show, suggestions for future episodes, or just to say hi. I know it's a busy time of year, so even sharing the podcast with someone who loves Christmas would be a big help. And if you're feeling extra generous this season, you can buy me an eggnog. Head on over to seasonseatingspodcast.com and click on the little cup in the corner. Each small donation helps with the daily running of the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Seasons Eatings also has some great items for you or your loved ones for the holiday season. Head on over to SeasonsEatings.com, click on the Merchandise tab to find your next great gift. I'm your host, Glenn Warren, and thank you for listening, and tune in again for another serving of Seasons Eatings. Seasons Eatings is also part of the Christmas Podcast Network. Whatever interests you have with the holidays, there's probably a podcast out there covering that topic. You can find Seasons Eatings with all other podcasts at christmaspodcasts.com. Drop on by to find your next podcast addiction. All music for Seasons Eatings was used under the Creative Commons license. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.